Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Ben, for helping me out here. I mean, uh, yeah, for helping me out here this morning. Oh, my goodness. Um, what a day it is. Amen. What a day. And look, the sun is just now coming through the windows. We've had that glorious rain to saturate the earth and touch the farms and do the thing that rain does. Um, you know, God watches out for creation. He's feeding the flowers. He's giving the animals water. Uh, a few weeks ago, Ben came. He was We were away, and he was tending our pool, and um, his father was telling us a story. He said he was walking. Uh, Ben's dad was walking over to the house or walking by or doing something, and he heard Ben all alone, knowing that we weren't home, we were away uh, in Minnesota, and he heard Ben going, oh, are you okay? I, I don't remember all the words, I'm paraphrasing. Come on, little fella, are you good? Yeah, let me help you out. And, and, and his dad's wondering, is he talking to himself? <laughs> What the heck is going on? We don't have any pets that he's watching. But a little chipmunk, our resident chipmunk, had gotten in our pool. He was thirsty. It had been that dry season. You know, we, it was dry here. And he was looking for water. And we're not out there watering our lawns that much. And he was headed for the pool to get some water. And he couldn't get out. And Ben happened along and revived him and gave him mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation. <laughs> that little guy I saw, Chipper, Chip was, you know, storing up all those seeds that had blown off the trees. Praise the Lord. Well, now you've got a story. But um, I just want to tell you, I it has been quite a year. It's been a, quite a couple of years for some of us. And, uh, you know, some of us have had things going on in all of our lives. But... Uh, you know, I can't tell you, we've done more funerals this year, uh, memorial services this year, than any other year of my life, uh, starting with uh, last December when our beloved Kevin uh, was promoted to heaven, suddenly, unexpectedly. And, um, you know, <clears throat> some of you may be suffering things, and then um, I just... I want to tell you, you know, I know that some of you here, I don't know who's listening here today, but remember, in June, you know, we were having a leadership meeting. Uh, we've had a wonderful dinner. I'm running up to get my Bible and finish the meeting in, in our house, in our dining room, and Lonnie's telling me I have to call my sister, and I said, yeah, she called while I was cooking. We've been talking about getting together to talk. I'll call her after the meeting. He goes, no, you need to call her now. And I was kind of like, right now, in the middle of this important meeting, and, and he's like, yes, um, Ryan has been killed with his wife in a head-on collision. You know, just 32 years old, that huge death that impacted my family, it's still impacting all of them. And I just, I'm using that story, some of you are, you know, well-versed in it, or at least to some point. But I'm using that because when we find ourselves, any one of us find ourselves in a situation that is so shocking and beyond belief that our minds just can't even comprehend it. You can't comprehend that. It's like, what are you talking about? It was like when, when, when uh, JC gave Lonnie the call 
I, you know, I remember where we were. I remember what we were doing. I, I remember what we had just been talking about. And, and JC gives Lonnie a call and says, Kevin is dead. And Lonnie's just like, what? Like, you can't comprehend it. I mean, his face. I saw the expressions. I remember uh, several years ago, a little three-year-old in our church, uh, Lonnie was in the office. I was uh, getting ready to go in there, and he just came out of his office, and he was like, like, like a superhero going down the stairs. And I go, what is wrong? And he said, faith is dead. And I go... Uh, is this like a saying, you know, but this little girl's name was Faith, and Faith had unexpectedly died in her sleep on the eve of her third birthday. You know, what do you say? What do you do? Where do you go? These things are shocking to us. We see the news filled with all sorts of things. We have the stress. What do we do in our current situation, what, where we've been? And everyone in the world is suffering uh, in the past year and a half with the COVID issues. You know, just how we're thinking, it's affecting us, um, or its purpose is to affect us. But I want to say that God is still on the throne. And when my sister, when I talked to my sister, they could hear her. They could hear her on the phone. I had to pull it away from my ear. She was in such, such sorrow and wailing. And she just kept saying, and then I'm thinking, this is my sister, his grandmother, and I'm thinking, what about Lana, my niece, his mom, and his brothers? And I'm just like... And she's saying, I, can, I will never get over this. I will never. I don't know what to do. I can never get over this. How, how could this happen? And on and on and on. And I just was, you know, she just had a broken heart, a shattered heart. And so I'm talking about death, and I'm talking about some very personal things. But some things in our life, even our circumstances, even family situations, Sometimes people um, in just life, look at the 20s during the great crash. My grandfather's friends committed suicide, you know, when they lost all their money. I mean, these kind of pressures. And some of us are under some pressures right now. We're under pressures. We've just heard that fuel bills are going to be twice as high. And we're like, what are you talking about? Food bills are twice as high. Everything is high. People don't know what to do. And we that live in New England, those fuel bills, we don't, some of us don't even know if we're going to have fuel. They're saying there might be shortages. So what do we do with our houses when the pipes freeze? You know, I mean, these are the things that are facing us. And I want to say, what do you say? What do you do? in those circumstances. Some people are sitting home today depressed. They're depressed. They don't know who to go to. They don't know how to solve it. They don't know what to do. Um, some of us, I mean, I'll be the first to admit, uh, some of, uh, used to, I had to battle with depression. 
It was just like we were pushed and pushed and pushed, and I had to battle with depression. I know what it is. It's a myth. You know, when somebody says Christians aren't supposed to get that way, well, I'll tell you, we, we get that way sometimes. You know, I want you to know, and I don't want you to feel totally guilty about it. We, we get to feel hurt, and we get down, and we, we get disappointed sometimes. And sometimes we just feel empty. There's times. Who hasn't in this listening audience at one time or another in their life just feel like, I can't take it anymore? I just can't take it anymore. We know and we can identify with that feeling. So what do we do? So what could I say to my sister? I just kept saying, there's no words. We're not the only people that get this. Remember Elijah. Elisha had just done great feats for God. He put the prophets of Baal to shame. You know, fire came from heaven and, and burned up the offering. And, and, and King Ahab and Jezebel, she was viciously after him and going to destroy him for what he had done against the prophets of wickedness and Baal. He took off running. Nobody, where's Elijah? We want to congratulate him. We want to congratulate him on, on the good things. But the assault on his mind, the intense witchcraft that had come against him, any of the prophets that were left were cursing him. It was coming against his mind, his soul, his thinking. He was clouded. There was darkness on him. It was after him, and he started, it said, you know, Satan's breathing on him, and he's like, I'm going to get you. You're going to die. You're going to this. You're going to that. Even after he had just seen fire come from heaven, how is it that we can see miracles, and we know God is moving, and then something comes up, and we're like, we're pressed. We're perplexed. How is it that... That can happen to us. Um, I want to tell you that God still gives hope. And um, God met him there. God met him. He was hiding in a cave. And if you hide in a cave or wherever, you, you know, if you want to pull a rock, you know, you want to dig a hole, get in it, and close yourself in, God will find you wherever you run. <laughs> Wherever you go, you know, we try to fix things and make ourselves better with like pumping up a tire. Some of us have things. I mean, some people, they go shopping. Okay, let's go shopping. Some people love flowers. Let's go to the florist or let's go to a nursery. Let's get in the middle of life, something like that. Somebody go to the movies. Somebody watch a Hallmark movie. I don't know. But we have our ways of escape. But they really don't fix it, do they? No. It just doesn't fix it, does it? No. No. It doesn't make the pain go away. It doesn't, it doesn't help. It's a fleeting moment, like a vapor. It's vanity. It just doesn't work. Well, I want to tell you, there's somebody that understands our humanity better than anyone, and it's God. 
and he created us. And he sent Jesus in human form to understand. If there was anything lacking in what humanity was, Jesus knows all about it. No place to run, no place to go. I've got to face this. How am I going to get through this? Father, if this cup can pass from me, but neither my will, not my will, but thine be done. And, and just all the things that go through that gut-wrenching experience, and we've faced those things. Nobody understands humanity like God. He understands human. He understands what that means. The scripture that I'm speaking on today is one, and I hope that you remember it. I hope it becomes that part. We talked a few months ago about learning scriptures and rehearsing them until you can quote them. And it's Psalm 36.1. God is our refuge and strength. He is a very present hope in a time of trouble. I don't know what we're going to face. I don't know what we could face today. There have been all sorts of little things, not like deaths, but even those little things, they mount up. Sometimes it seems like they're endless. It seems like they're never going to stop. We just finished with the CCC, and Lonnie's been over there dealing with that all week after everybody had helped take care of. But, I mean, meetings, meetings, they cancel them, da-da-da-da plumbing, you know, dealing with the freezer again that then stopped and going and checking on that. This is all on top of everyday life, everyday requirements at work, in the office, in the people's lives, in our lives. We, we've been without our, in our bathroom. We have been able to use our bathroom, our personal bathroom, for over a week and a half because of a plumbing issue. We finally tr- almost got it done, and then there was still this pinhole le- leak. We've got to go through that again for a few more days. Lonnie comes home from going to pick up all the supplies for the church and the school and the CCC yesterday. And I greet him when he gets back, and I think, I just want to bless him. That had been in my heart. I didn't know what happened. He says, uh, he looked rather forlorn, and I said, what's wrong? And he said, well, I, I went to put the things away, and there's a huge water leak in our basement right now. I go, what? He goes, yes. I just called the plumber. He's going to come. I found one that can come. The plumber comes. It's in the main joint that goes to where the house connects to the main pressure line for the town of Hartford. That's where that pressure is coming in. They put a pressure reducer so that it won't blow all your pipes apart when it comes in. He said, this is bigger than I thought, Lonnie. He says, I've got to have somebody help me. Because he said, if I move anything wrong, I've got to have somebody be here and help me stabilize this while I fix it. Because if it comes apart, it's going to flood your entire basement before we could ever get it turned off. The town of Hartford has to come to turn it off at the street. And he said, I've got to go find somebody that can help me and go get the parts. And so we started praying. But you know what I'm saying? And then Lonnie's down there for six hours on top of everything else, sucking out water out of the carpets. In no way am I comparing this to a death of someone. But I'm just talking about life every day when sometimes you've just had enough. We didn't take that attitude, thank the Lord. We nurtured each other. We encouraged one another. 
then we, yeah, the, then we went to uh, my grandson's football rain in the middle of the rain and cold and blowing wind. It was up in Cardigan Mountain, so it was really windy up there at the school. But there was joy in the moment. What I'm saying is, do you think that God didn't know all of that was going to be on our plate? Did, could we say that the devil is just beating us up, backlash for this, back? Well, I don't know what the cause of all these different things are in our lives. But I want to say, if God has allowed them, they've been allowed for a purpose. They've been allowed for a purpose in your life. It, it's the trials of our faith. They cause us to grow. They cause us to grow. They cause us to grow. God is our refuge. That's where I want to run. That's what I want to know. I want an instant reflex. You know, sometimes you're in your car, you're driving, you get somewhere, your mind's somewhere else, and you don't, you're like, oh my gosh, how did I even get here? I don't remember getting here. Do you know what I mean? And which is scary, you know. But sometimes it happens. It's just you can do it. I want autopilot in my life. That that's where I run. I run to God. He's my refuge. Because in those times, uh, he is our strength. Amen? You know, when we think of a refuge, we think of a place to hide. And for me, there's no better scripture than Psalm 91 for me, hiding under the shadow of the wings of the Almighty. Um, But we all need God as our refuge. Amen? We need him to hide from the storm, from the turbulence, from the struggle, from misinformation, from the pressures, from the battle, from the weariness of life, the old wounds that just, you know, it's, it's weird. Um, but just like your body, some people have been saying, uh, some people were saying about yesterday at the game, the weather, the aches and pains. Ooh, my body is feeling it. You know, old wounds. Yeah, I injured my knee years ago. It acts up when this happens. You see, there's even wounds of the soul. Uh, PTSD is a real symptom of wounds of the psyche and the heart and the soul from battles or stressful situations. And things can trigger that. And they can come up. We've got to have him as our refuge as our refuge. He is our refuge. So when my sister, going back to the story that night when we were on the phone, when my sister was saying that, I thought, God, because it was wailing. You know, I was weeping, but I'm like, Father, what can I say? There are no words. I I said, well, really, there's no words. I, I don't know. There's just no words. Just, I hope you feel my heart. And um, then the Lord was kind of prompting me. I'm looking to him, and she's crying and sobbing. And he's like, well, just tell her this. And I'm like, well, yeah, but she already knows that, you know. Um, And he goes, no, I, I want you to tell her that. And I'm like, okay, I don't. I don't want her to make. I don't want her to feel that I'm trying to make this smaller than it is. This is gigantic. This is everything at the moment. There's no fixing this. 
There's no way to fix it. He will never come back. Do you understand? There is no way to fix that. There's no way to change it. The goriness of how it happened, the heartache, the shattering of so many lives. There's no way to forget it. Do you understand? You're not going to forget a death in your family. You're not going to forget. But God wanted me to tell her, Deb, Debbie, my sister's name is Deborah, Debbie, Deb. I said, Deb, you will get through this. You will get through it. You will get through it. There's, you're going to get through it. It doesn't mean you're going to forget it. It doesn't mean you're going to get over it in the sense of somebody says, oh, just get over it. No, you're not going to get over it because it's a part of your life. It's a giant part of your life. And there's this gaping hole right now. And the only thing that can fill that is Jesus. The only thing that can fill something like in that. So if you haven't experienced something like this, or if you have, you know that. And if you haven't, I'm here to tell you that so you can lay hold of this if you ever face this. And you will have this information so you can give this to someone else who is hurting beyond compare. You see, she will learn to get through it. We learn to get through it. That is a word that came at the feast. It was a word that was given over precious uh, Pastor Dan Aroma. That no longer would she be going along the path of life when the obstacles were there. She wouldn't go around them, do you see? But she would go through them from then on. And there's power in that. It's not like, it's not like oh, I'm going to face another one later. There's something that happens in your core. It's in the core belief of who you are that he's it. He is your refuge. He is your strength. And he is the hope in the midst of trouble. That's it. There's nothing else. It's not going to the movies. It's not going on $3 million vacation. It's not going to Disney. It's not watching Hallmark. It's not running over to Sister So-and-So Susie's house and have her pray for you. It's only in him that we can meet these impossible moments of pressure in our lives. He is our refuge. He is our strength. Strength. Refuge and strength. So we've talked about the place to go. He is our hiding place. And the other thing is he is our strength. Listen, when you're in that, you don't have any strength. I'll tell you something. I don't know if Sean, <laughs> Sean remembers this, but there was a time uh, maybe in the, maybe the first, I don't know how many years of the ministry, maybe the first five years of the ministry. It's tough when you're young and you just haven't been trained for what you really encounter in ministry as a leader. The pressures... Just the pressures from hell alone. The pressures from hell alone that you would be destroyed and, and it would end. 
are enough to be staggering. And I don't even remember, Sean, what was going on. But uh, maybe you do, and we can talk about it privately. I'm sure it's nothing that would be edifying. But whatever it was, I was in this moment of pressure, and I was like, I can't take it anymore. Just when I'm loving somebody and I'm, I'm blessing them, I'm, giving, I'm pouring out my lifeblood, and something comes up, and it's the stabbing. And you hear it, and you are crushed, and you're just like, what's wrong with your sheep, God? What is wrong with these people? Do you want me to? Cut, do they want me to cut my wrists for them? Would that make? Would that be enough? Really? That's where I was. I was like so exhausted, drained, trying to do everything I knew, everything He told me, to to bless God and bless the people of God. And so, Sean had been busy that day, and they had come over to give me something. They came up with this idea. Psalm 91, you see, has been my life verse. Under the wings of the shadow of the Almighty. Do you remember this, Sean? Sean himself, they went and bought this beautiful material. It was metallic. It was metallic with black in it, woven with gold, like a brocade, shiny. And... They cut this wing out of this material, this big golden wing. They shaped it like a wing. And he's the one that sewed it. When I found that out, I was amazed. But here, here in the midst of all my trouble, but they came at the time where I thought I was going to totally have a breakdown. And I'm not kidding you. It was I had reached a place where I felt like my mind was about to fracture. I didn't know what a nervous breakdown was. You know, people have nervous breakdowns. They go to the hospital. They give them drugs. Put them to sleep. But I felt like my brain or my mind was literally going to just go into a zillion pieces of, like, like shatter and that I would not have be able to cope. They come in, and they want to bless me. But whatever that, if anybody said anything to me, it was, it was just, I was at a point where it wasn't going to be good. It was like, nobody can see me like this because I could hurt you. Okay? Have you ever been like that? I could hurt you and I could hurt you bad. And my greatest weapon is my tongue. Cha-cha-cha-cha-cha. Like a sharp knife. But Sean, they came in, and they followed me from the kitchen. Well, we didn't have a code lock on our doors that day. Our, you know, we believed in just being available for the people of God at all hours of the night. Our, our doors were never locked. So, of course, they just came in. And they were trying to encourage me, and I'm just like, you know, I, I, I can't see you. I don't want to see you. But we brought something. We're sorry this is all happening. And I'm just flipping out. I don't know what happened. At that moment, I literally, I don't know if he remembers this. I remember getting up, jumping up on a sofa. And I was jumping up and down. This was a bad moment. This is when my mind, I thought I was just going to spring off and like, I don't know, jump off that thing and break my neck. But 
there they were with this wing. And God spared me. And God used them to be the symbol of the refuge and strength. How beautiful is that? I, uh, God just used them. And I sobbed and cried, and it was nasty and snotty and slobbery and horrible. But my mind didn't shatter. I got healed up. They put that thing around me, and they prayed for me, and then they left. And I was sitting there with them. <sighs> Strength. Strength. The strength started to seep into me where there was nothing left. The strength started ministering to me where this thing had been wrapped around me, Psalm 91. I just sat by myself. I sat there for hours. I didn't turn the lights on. Lonnie had had to work overtime. I just sat there, and God began to give me strength. Strength to take another step. Strength to go another mile when others couldn't. Knowing that somehow he was infusing me with his strength. Strength that would keep me from totally failing. Though I felt I was the biggest failure and humiliated in my show of weakness. But strength began to seep into me, and the strength began to shout that it wasn't my strength, it was God's. It was God's strength. It wasn't my strength. I'd, I'd, I'd come to the end of it. There was nothing left. But it's God's strength that comes into us in these moments in our lives. Whatever they are, the pressures and trials and tribulations of this life. And he carried me. And he'll carry you. And this is what I was trying to share with my sister and my family. He's your refuge and he's your strength and you're going to get through this. You will get through it. And when that strength came, I began to feel hope. You see, when I had no strength left, I just, I had no more hope. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, the word of God says. Hope is the anchor of your soul. I I was hopeless at that moment. I was just hopeless. I was hopeless about the situation. I was hopeless that I would ever be what God wanted me to be. I just, but strength began to Fill me. And I began to understand this scripture. He was my refuge. 
I was under the shadow of the wing of the Almighty, literally, because that man right there had shown this. And hope began to come into me, and I began to hope again. There's hope. And then I, then I began to see the revelation of it all and the propheticness of how God used him and his family to come to my aid in my weakest moment. Nobody knew I was flipping out alone at home. Nobody, nobody but God. Do you see what I'm saying? God, God has a plan, and he has a solution, and he has something to touch your life with. And if you've got a gaping hole or you're under the pressures, you're between a rock and a hard place, whatever we call it, God is a refuge, and his strength will come into you and make a way. And when you receive his strength, strength becomes hope. Hope, 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 hope. In a, he is a present hope into the present of your moment, a present hope in the time of trouble, in the midst of your trial, of your tribulation. I don't know what's going to happen this winter, but we're going to get through it because we know who our refuge is, and we know the family of God, and he lives in each one of you. You see, I came in touch with the refuge of God through my brother's life. I came in touch with the strength of God through Jesus Christ and my brother. I came in touch with hope. Christ in you, the hope of glory. I want you to know who your identity is. You might not be the one that's going through a horrible, crushing moment, but you are the one that can come and be that touch, that love, that ministry to one another. And that's what God has taught us. This is why I love this church, because you people know that. You know that, and we're learning it more every day. Lonnie said, I, I'm selfish. Well, I know he was jesting a little while, but we're losing that selfishness, aren't we? We're losing it. And we're willing to give our lives to somebody else. So again, Psalm 36.1. You can say it with me if you remember. God is our refuge and strength. He is a very present help in time of trouble. He is the hope and the help. There comes the helper. There comes the Holy Spirit. God, the refuge, strength. Holy Spirit coming to help you, give you, immerse you in in hope. And so if we can lay hold of that today, in the midst of whatever we may face in this world, in the nation, whatever's going to happen in this coming season, they keep calling it the season of darkness. I say it will be the season of light. It's the season of the light will pierce the darkness. The light will pierce the darkness. We will have this word in our core until there's nothing. We're just like a walking, talking machine, a powerful one. Nothing can stop the word of God. It will not return void. It will be fulfilled. He's sovereign. It's up to him when the time comes.
but we will keep declaring it. We will keep nurturing one another. We will keep loving one another. Oh, Lord God, all of mankind needs this message. I woke up this morning, this is an odd thing, but I woke up this morning and the Lord laid Alex Alex Baldwin on my heart. He is the actor who recently... There was, had a terrible tragedy on the set of a movie. And while he was shooting, someone handed him a gun that had a live round in it. And he, it killed um, a woman and one of the people on the set. You've all heard this story, I'm sure. And some of you may know that he's, you know, he's not a believer. His brother is saved. His brother is a radical believer. But Alec is not. And somebody told me, we heard that he was in Vermont. And people uh, were kind of joking about where he might be, where they might be, because they're wealthy. You know, the twin farms here in Vermont. Um, But they haven't identified where he is. But the Lord said, I want you to pray for him. He needs me. In his blindness, he cannot see me. Can we pray for him? You might run into him here today. You could. It could be at a gas station out of nowhere, driving a big white Cadillac, four-wheel drive. If you get the opportunity to see them, Don't be afraid to speak the word and pray for them. Can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? He's looking for refuge, you see. That's why I said, well, I brought him up here because, I mean, this we we just need quiet. We need, we've got to process this. We, We don't even know how to, you know. He's in the news. People, you know, the people that don't like him are stabbing him in the back. I mean, what's just happened to him? I mean, he's killed a human being. This is I can't imagine. You know, I, I don't know. This is a terrible, terrible tragedy in every area of the entire story. Just well, I brought him up here because we just needed to go. We needed to find a place where we were quiet. He needs to find God. He needs to find the one, the refuge, God. He needs to find the refuge and the strength in God. They're sitting there processing this with human thinking, how they've thought about life. And we all know what it was like. That thinking and processing, how can we do this? How can we get out of this? How can, how is this, this is changing? No. no, you need Abba, you need God to strengthen in you and, and, and bring you hope. And so I'm praying for his brother. I'm praying for whoever is in that man's path and his wife's path. That they would find our father, his father, Jesus died for that man. So, Jesus said, 
I've come to give you life. And life more abundantly. God gives us hope. Romans 8, 28. All things work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his plan and purpose. Saints of God, let's stand and let's pray for one another. I really believe that God wants us to pray for one another this morning. And we're praying for you out there who might be at home where this message of hope has touched your heart today. But may we be carriers of this hope. And I'd like you to just break up amongst yourselves. Get together with two or three. Please, just quickly, will you pray for each other this morning? We've got stuff going on in our lives. Sometimes we put a good mask on. We're not wearing those other masks today, but sometimes we put a mask. Sometimes we don't know what to do with it. If you just, everybody find someone, please, just pray and love each other. Just go find somebody. There's people standing around that don't have somebody. There's people, you guys can cross the aisle and everything. I see some people here that need prayer. Chris, maybe you could get uh, in, the, in the back, too. So everybody gets prayed for. Just say a prayer for each other. Just pray. Ben, you can even come out of the sound booth and pray for somebody. It doesn't matter. This is real. This is pray for each other. Encourage each other. Yeah, love each other. Just pray for one another. If you've got something going on, Tell them, yeah, pray for me. I need your prayers. Father, we do. We just pray this morning. We pray this morning. We pray this morning. We pray for one another. Father, you are our hope. You are our hope. We bless you this morning. We bless you, Lord. We thank you that you are our refuge. We thank you that you are our strength, and we thank you that you are our hope. We praise your holy name. Thank you, Father. 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 I'm seeing hope come into the present circumstance. I see God reaching out and strengthening you. God is strengthening you. There's someone that's in a situation that is insurmountable and absolutely seems impossible, but God has come and he has come to touch your life. And I want to say it again. You will get through it. You will get through it. You will find a way through it. You will find a way to overcome. Yes, you will find a way to overcome in every situation. Some of you are out there who need healing, and we pray for you right now. We pray for you right now. Some of you need healing in your bodies. Healing in your bodies. Some of you have had 
uh, year lo- years-long back problems. We're praying for back problems right now in the name of Jesus. Some of you said, but the doctor said there's no hope. And we, we, we nullify those words, and we say there is hope because our God is a healer. He is a healer, and he sets us free. And so I'm praying for anyone. I'm praying for those people that have the back problems. I'm praying for back problems. I'm praying for muscle spasm, those knots that are pulling, 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 and causing pain. I pray for the bones. I pray for the spine. I pray for the discs to be made whole. We pray for back problems. Lord, I see that some people have a shoulder problem. They're having intense shoulder problems, Lord, that's even causing them to not be able to sleep at night. When they roll over, they keep waking up. Father, I ask you to touch them right now. Touch them right now, Lord. Touch their bodies right now with healing. Heal those joints in the shoulders. Heal those tendons, tendonitis, be healed in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Some of you are suffering with knee joint problems, knee pain. Father, we pray over those joints now. Father, we, we pray that you would strengthen the weak knees, Father, as your word says, that you would strengthen them right now. Strengthen them. Heal them, Lord. Heal them now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. We pray, Father. We pray. We pray for the hearts that are hurt and wounded. We pray. We pray. We pray for healing for your soul and that the peace of God would flood you. The peace of God. Jesus would touch your heart, that you would have an encounter with the Holy One. We bless you all. We bless you all immensely. We pray over your trials and your tribulations. We pray over all the circumstances, and we say, God, have your way. He's sovereign. He's watching. He has a plan. He has an answer, and he will work it for the good in spite of it all. We bless you all. We say goodbye today as the people continue to pray. We're going to bring our tithes and offerings today to the house of the Lord so they can meet every need. We just bless you all. We thank you for tuning in today. And may God be with you. And may he be your refuge and your strength and your hope in a time of trouble.